Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Game 5 tonight. We've actually got four games tonight. But most importantly for you folks, it's the Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. Game 5. Jazz up three games to one. They dropped that first one without Donovan. And now they've won three in a row. And can they close it out? Because who in their right mind wants to get in a plane and go back to Memphis to play a game six and put the whole series at risk and maybe live through that whole nightmare that you went through a year ago when you blew a 3-1 lead and lost the Nuggets in seven? Nobody wants to do that. So wrap it up tonight. I mean, it's different, right? Bogey's here, so that's different. Um, Derek Favors is back. That's different. Um, Niang, Conley, Royce O'Neal, you can argue they're all playing better, bigger roles, more comfortable with their roles, able to do more things. Home crowds are back. Instead of playing in the bubble on a neutral floor, the Jazz get two out of the next three at home if they need them. Obviously, they can just end it with this first one here tonight. So there's a lot of differences. And I think the biggest one is the Jazz blew a 3-1 lead last year. They're not going to take their foot off the gas. They are going to accelerate through the finish line. That's what I expect. So... See what happens in that game tonight. See if the Jazz can wrap it up. And, of course, they're going to get the Clippers or the Mavericks if they do. And they play tonight, and they are tied 2-2. Lakers and Suns were 2-2, and then the Suns blew the Lakers off the court. No Anthony Davis. The Lakers just didn't have it. Didn't have nearly enough. The Suns were up by 30 at halftime. The entire second half was garbage time. Not only was LeBron not in in the fourth quarter, he wasn't even on a bench, went to the locker room, started working on treatment to get ready for the next game because their whole season's coming down to Game 6, and LeBron could lose in the first round for the first time ever. He's 14-0 in first-round series. He's never been down 3-2 in a first-round series. But here they are now. He's not 100%, and AD's not playing. I'd be surprised off what PK said yesterday if AD was playing. Actually, I'd just be surprised off what I saw on the court. But in addition, PK, knowing people who know people in the Lake organization, he gets some, gets some info once in a while, and it seems to be pretty spot on, whether it's LeBron moving to L.A., spot on. AD uh, getting hurt and going to be out for a long time through the All-Star break and beyond, spot on. And now AD not going to play in Game 6. That's what I would expect. That's what PK has heard. And so really what that leaves us to discuss here is Portland. How could you? How could you have Damian Lillard be that good and have that game there for the taking and everybody on the Blazers not named Damian Lillard went one for 19 down the stretch. Ennis Kanter had a putback. Covington was missing dunks. The second best player on the team was stepping out of bounds. That line just jumped up and bit him. C.J. McCollum, what are you doing? But Portland hung in there. Because Damian Lillard was outrageously good. A big three at the end of regulation to force overtime. Down eight in overtime. Three big threes. They got a three. They got a stop. They got a three from Lillard. Another one. And then the Nuggets only hit one out of two free throws. And Lillard comes down and hits another three. And all of Twitter was screaming, foul him, foul him, foul him. I'm kind of glad they didn't because I just want the entertainment factor. I love watching it hit the shots. I don't really want to watch a free throw shooting contest. But tactically, Nuggets fans, I get it. You, you wanted your guy to foul. And there's always the risk if he sees the foul coming, he's going to pull up and shoot it and get three free throws. Or maybe he's going to throw it in and get a four-point play. And I just think... They were a little scared after what happened with Austin Rivers at the end of regulation. He did touch him, 
and they had to use it, and, and they were going to give him three. Uh, Rivers was defending Lillard, and he just touched him. Well, first off, he hand-checked him, which that – I don't know how you get away with that. <laughs> Allegedly, you could hand-checking ended like 30 or 40 years ago. Allegedly, they changed that rule and made hand-checking illegal. Um, and then there was a slight brush, and it's a no-call 99 times out of 100, and this time they call it. Now, they challenged it, and they took the free throws away and said it was before the gather, so side out, out of bounds. They inbounded it, and then Bullard hit a three and forced overtime. So Nuggets fans are incensed uh, over the call and over the lack of fouling, but they did win the game. And as many people pointed out on Twitter, they won when Donovan went for 57 in the bubble, and now they win when Lillard goes for 55. It was wildly entertaining, and Lillard was outrageous. Six of eight shooting down the stretch while his teammates were one of 19. And he had 10 assists, and he was driving and passing, and Carmelo's missing a corner three, and um, uh, he wasn't the only one, but he's just coming to mind right now. It was, it was just there were... There were <laughs> nothing good happened when the ball left Fuller's hands. Just, I guess, late in regulation before the 1 of 19 to close the game. Um, CJ McCollum hit a corner three. That was probably like the last good thing that happened <laughs> when the ball got passed. If Lillard just shot on every possession, I think they would have won the game. But they didn't, and now the Nuggets are up three games to two. So Nuggets are up three to two. Suns are up three to two. Nuggets, Suns in the next round, unless something crazy happens here and the Blazers win game six and seven or the Lakers win game six and seven. Now we're easing towards Nuggets and Suns. And, of course, the Jazz went 0-3 against the Suns in the playoffs this year, or in the regular season this year, uh, and against the, in the playoffs against the Nuggets, they lost in seven last year. So, really not teams you're looking forward to see, but, hey, first things first. Jazz have to beat the Grizzlies tonight, and then on to the second round and see if they get the Clippers and see if they can handle those guys. All right, DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland, coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Mountainland Supply. Join Scouting Hands and Mountainland Supply's customer appreciation day from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 1505 West, 130 South in Orm. Free street tacos. Appearances by the Diesel Brothers and Rulon Gardner. Plus free hats and t-shirts. Stop by Mountainland Supply tomorrow from 10 to 2. It's time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Steve, the Jazz are up three games to one. They have won three in a row since Donovan Mitchell returned. Some Jazz fans are still worried. Some cite last year's 3-1 collapse to the Nuggets. What level of concern do you have for the Jazz? Uh, That'd be none. (laughs) (laughs) That would be none. No, they're – and it's not like Memphis isn't competing and and they're they're not coaching this group up. And they're, I think, the youngest team in the NBA. But – and they're putting up a battle and a fight, but not not back at home. They'll finish this thing at home, and uh, they're getting great production from everybody on the floor. And you can just see, I mean, every interview I hear, they talk a little bit about remembering last year and when they were up 3-1 and lost to Denver. But uh, 
this team is 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 not going to get upset in this setting, and um, they're playing great. I mean, it, they had they had to play well uh, in the second half. Memphis, Memphis has been quite a test. They just play so hard, um, and I, I can't imagine Conley. I, you know, he looks like he grew up playing there. He hit some big shots at the end of that game. Obviously, Clarkson and Mitchell kind of carried the team offensively, but um, the Jazz just continue to shoot the three ball. And that's been the difference. And um, they withstood some runs by Memphis, I thought, and that they could have kind of folded it. And they just came back and made big baskets. And fun game to watch. As I look at it, you know, I got to give Memphis credit for competing because they're an emerging team and they're young and all this. And we'll check back in two or three years and see who they add and how much better they can be. But for right now, as I just look at it, I just come down to the bottom line is the Jazz have more talent, which is why they're up 3-1. I can't really see any other explanation. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's not like both coaches aren't doing everything they can. And and you're right about uh, Memphis. I mean, they play with great effort. They compete just like the Jazz do. And there is just a difference in talent level. There's just so many different guys on that team that can step up. I mean, Bogdanovich just kind of just not, you know, you don't even notice him in that game. And, And yet he's had games where he's at 25, 30, 40 points. You know, I mean, he's capable on any given night. Go bearer. It's kind of just invisible the first half, and all of a sudden he gets 16 second half points. And and I, I honestly, Conley just seems more relaxed, more in tune with the guys. I mean, last year was a little bit of a struggle, but he's hit big threes, timely threes when momentum was shifting. And uh, and, and obviously we the expectation for Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson is you know is given. I mean, you, you expect both of those guys step up and play and uh, and Jordan Carson could pretty much start on any other team in the NBA. He could probably start on this team if that's the way they wanted to go but having him come off the bench uh, I think, well, I don't know, he seemed like he scored like 10, 12, 13 points in a row uh, for the Jazz so you're right, now, the talent is different the experience is different Jazz should win this game, they will win this game but uh, it's fun to see a scrappy Memphis team play I mean, you, you we've all watch teams like this that are young like that and they've got great energy so my um, hats off to them I, I i didn't know a lot about the coach at memphis you know i mean he's got a pedigree he's, he, he comes from a great line of coaches but i didn't realize he was in his mid-30s i didn't know much about him so that's quite a success story in itself so when you look at the Jazz, are the playoffs revealing any flaws to you that you think could be a problem down the line? The Jazz are pretty much who you thought they were. Maybe they're a little better than you thought they were. You know, I, I don't see any real significant flaws. I mean, they, they need to shoot the three ball well because they're not a team that's pounding it inside. Uh, there's not a lot. And, and they do run, but the, it's selective. It's not like they get a, a great deal of transition points, but I, I think – they just got such great shooters. They can space the floor. They move without the ball. The guys aren't standing around, and it's hard to guard teams like that, especially when they're such lethal shooters. So, and, and you got a big guy inside Gobert who, who's not selfish. You know, he may not get a touch and a half, and then he comes in there and and uh, has a presence defensively and scores 16 points. So, I mean, you look at Ingles, Clarkson, Conley. Uh, Boganovich, O'Neal, I mean, they're all capable on any given night. And I think the advantage that the Jazz have, too, is they've been there. This group's now been together for a while. And uh, you, you just uh, you just feel like no matter what kind of adversity they face, 
eventually they'll get through it and make the right play. And so I don't know if there's a, a team in the league that has a better chemistry and culture than the Jazz have. And, and, and there's, I don't know, there's a maturity there, that basketball maturity, that they seldom take bad shots. They seldom take four shots unless, you know, somebody's defending them and they have to shoot something late in the clock. I mean, they're just, they're, you don't see them take many bad shots. And uh, the ball never gets sticky. It's always moving. So, uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't see any weaknesses. I mean, the, the, the team that I – and I don't think they're going to get out. I'm not sure that the Lakers even get out of the playoffs. The, the Lakers are a different type of team for anybody. And, and, and obviously the Clippers are playing better right now too. But the Lakers, if they were healthy, would be, it could be a challenge because they slow the game down. They can pound it inside, and when their shooters are shooting, it, they play different than everybody else in the league for the most part. And and so I that would that would be a matchup that I think with the Lakers were healthy and the Jazz were healthy, that'd be an amazing series. But I'm not sure the Lakers will even get to that point uh, with the, with the injuries they're having. So that that's the one team if they got healthy, that you know just any team that's got LeBron James on it can will themselves to win. He's done that a few times. But I, I, I just don't see anybody. I mean, I, honestly, it uh, looks like the Clippers are stepping up and doing things. You know, we may see a Jazz-Clippers matchup here sooner than later, and uh, we'll see what happens. But Jazz just have too much depth, too much shooting, too much maturity, and, uh, and they're competitive. I mean, they are competitive and high basketball IQ team. They just don't make many mistakes. They seldom beat themselves. When I look at Mitchell now, I've come to the conclusion, maybe not on his own, can he tell everybody, all right, guys, get on my back, I'm going to take you. But with this team and the composition of the guys who are in the rotation, I believe that they can win a title with Mitchell being the leader on offense with the help that he has. Maybe not individually, but with his skill level and combined with his counterparts on the team. I think he can do it. What would you say? You know what? He he knows how to create space on his own and, and to get shots. But the spacing of their offense, it's hard to leave Bogdanovich in the corner. It's hard to leave Conley up top. I mean, you've, you've got guys, they have to honor the shooters. And so as if Donovan Mitchell didn't already have a skill set to create space and get shots off, it's even more so with the team and with his teammates. And I, and I think that his teammates are fully supportive of that. And, uh, and you know what, that it, it, Clarkson and, and I, I would, I'd be interested to know the minutes that Clarkson and Mitchell play together because both of them are really, really good with the ball in their hands. And, uh, and, and that's why Clarkson's so valuable that when Mitchell can step off the floor, that Clarkson can just replace him. Not that he's Donovan Mitchell, but he, he can score and he can create space and he can make things happen. So they even have that when Mitchell's not in the game. So I, I agree. I mean, the, the the setup, the, the what they do offensively, the spacing, uh, and the ability to shoot the three makes Donovan Mitchell even a better player than he already is, and he's really good. But he he gets space that a lot of folks don't get because people sag and help. I mean, look look at how the Jazz guard Morant. You know, I mean, they know they don't have a lot of shooters. They can clog up the middle. Uh, if, if they had shooters. Uh, Morant would even have more feet. And he, he's amazing as a young player. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch him and Brooks play because they're so competitive and they play at a high level all the time. 
but they have a much more difficult road to get to the rim or knock shots down because they don't they're not surrounded with shooters like the Jazz are. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us. And I am curious if you have any inside information on what could possibly be going on with the Clippers because I thought Ballmer, early in Game 3, was going to start firing people and cutting players. He looked way more into the game than anybody on the court. The Clippers were down two games to none and just getting drilled. I mean, it's 8-2, to two, where's the response? It's 16-4, to four, where's the response? It's 30-11. to 11. Now, the response comes and they win the game, so who cares about a bad first quarter, but in the moment, I thought Ballmer was going to explode, and he's the owner. He probably knows what's going on. It just strikes me that this isn't X's and O's, whether personalities, chemistry. I can't put my finger on it. Can you? You know, a a couple of subtle things that have happened. I I would much rather have Reggie Jackson running the point, a guy who I know can make baskets. Not not that Patrick Beverly doesn't have a role on his team, but they they can't win with him playing a point guard 30 minutes. So Reggie Jackson's the one thing, and uh, they they've gone small as well. Uh, I think Batum, I think that's his name, is uh, is an undersized big, and so they they have more versatility with that group, and 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 certainly, uh, you know, the two key, you know, Leonard and and, and Paul uh, are, are making baskets, and they're they're shooting the three. I mean, they were 13 for 31, I think, in one game, and 13 for 33 in another. And so when, when they're hitting the three ball, Reggie Jackson is a guy that can, here again, create space. They have, they have to honor him, which gives Leonard and George opportunities to, you know, get into the seams and make things happen or help other guys. I, I don't know what happened psychologically or emotionally or within the chemistry of this team, but those two things, Reggie Jackson actually running the show now and then having Rondo come in. I mean, Rondo comes in and – you know, he has, a, he has a quiet night, but all of his points were in the fourth quarter. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he scores late in games. So I think the, the Reggie Jackson and the Rondo, uh, I, I like that tandem of point guard, but I like Reggie Jackson. He's athletic. He can take a beating. He can play more minutes. Uh, that would be one thing that I see that uh, makes them better rather than just standing around passing the ball and taking contested shots all the time. And then, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how good a friend Paul – I mean, Leonard, Kawhi Leonard is a really quiet guy. But I, everybody I know, uh, I know the uh, a couple of guys here in Fresno are on the staff at Fresno State, and uh, they, they coach Kawhi at San Diego State. And uh, they said, you know, he actually has quite a sense of humor. He, he gets along great with his teammates. And so I, I give maybe Kawhi, because he and Paul are both kind of quiet guys. And uh, they're a little more reserved out publicly, though Paul's kind of got a form, a form a time or two in the last six months where he's saying things that have kind of beat, got him beaten up a little bit. But I, I just think that the two of them must be having conversations and, uh, and collectively as a team. I mean, they've kind of been embarrassed nationally. And they've taken a lot of wrath from a lot of folks, and rightfully so. They just haven't played the expectations or at a level they should be. Uh, but I, I don't think that team has a great depth. I mean, if Morris can make baskets for them, they're way, way better. But they don't have a lot of guys coming off the bench knocking baskets down for them. So they got to kind of go with the guys that, that are good. And then obviously they got two great ones. So uh, the collection of those things, you know, I, I mean, hey, listen – I know how competitive Paul is, and I know how competitive Kawhi is, 
it, it's, it doesn't settle well with them, and uh, and they've shown it. And I would be shocked if they lose this series. In fact, it, it, Dallas might not win a game. And, and the, the sad thing for Dallas is that Doncic looks like he's hurt, and that will really seal their fate if that's the case. From a coaching perspective, we've had some people – get with us about how the Jazz games have been close. So from the fan perspective, they're nervous, you know, because they want to the last five minutes to be relaxed, feet up, and just play out the clock until you win, get to the, all the zeros. But from a coaching perspective, how good is it to have these games? They had a, the Jazz have had a couple of games now where five minutes to go, you know, the score at least would indicate that the game is in balance. So I'm wondering, from a coaching perspective, is that better for the team as opposed to just rolling out a bunch of 20-point wins? Yeah, because the farther they go in the playoffs, the closer and more competitive the games are going to be, especially on the road. And and they have to go back. And if your if your most recent memories are with three and a half minutes to go, and you're up three on the road, and you finish a game out like they've been finishing games out, that gives them confidence. Even though they're really good players and they're pros and they're some of the best in the world, it's it's not like they can't lose confidence. And you know, I, I think we just assume that they're just confident all the time. This is a game where a, a team can take you out of your confidence and your comfort zone. Teams do that defensively, and so. Yes, anytime you have games like this, especially when they're well-earned. If it's, if it's games where you're making mistakes and turning the ball over and having bad shot selections, but that's not what's happening. I mean, Memphis hasn't gone away. They, they've, I mean, basically the last two games, the Jazz have had to, to really uh, shore up everything, make big baskets, make big shots, or they lose. And Because Memphis came at them. And I know they're not as talented as the Jazz, but on the road, anything can happen. So, yeah, I, I think those things are invaluable for this team, especially when they have a little bit of a history over the last couple of years of not finishing things and not being where they need to be. But, uh, uh, yeah, so any time they can face adversity and overcome it, it gives them more confidence. And, and certainly they've got a great coaching staff that puts them in good positions. But at the end of the day, uh, the, I think those kind of experiences will help you down the road. Uh, when you face adversity, how do you handle it? And who has the ball? What are we doing? Uh, and, and to be honest with you, the Jazz have done that really well against us. Anytime you're supposed to win and a team is hungry, a young team like this, uh, you know you're going to be in for a battle. And uh, I think Gobert said it at the postgame, is that hey, everybody in this league is pretty good. And if you, you, let, you, you, you let your guard down at all, they're going to come at you and, and – and, capitalize on your weaknesses and so we we just got to continue to play to the very end uh especially when you're on the road you get a little maybe it's maybe it's a little more comfortable at home when teams don't shoot the ball well you go in going on it's hard to win games to start with no matter what i don't care what level you're at but it's really hard to win games on the road uh against good teams and the teams that play hard it's a little easier when the big guy who couldn't shoot free throws is now at the point where he can go 7 of 9 and hit two pre- pressure free throws late in the game. Yeah. Gobert at the free throw yeah. line, that's, uh, that's changed over time. It has changed over time. And, uh, you know, and I think the thing about Rudy that you guys have watched him practice and play for a long time, but he doesn't, he doesn't force things anymore. He, he's much slower in the post, not in the sense that he's – of foot, but that he just takes his time. He's more patient. He can step through, and he's not in a hurry to shoot the ball. I mean, I, I remember watching him 
two or three feet from the rim and getting in a hurry and trying to get there and being in awkward positions and get a shot blocked or he's off balance. He's more balanced. He lets the game come to him. You know, a lot of guys get frustrated if they're not scoring, you know, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that Rudy was like that, but I just know my experiences when guys that are averaging 15, 16, 17 points a game or, and all of a sudden they've got two or three, they're trying to force stuff. Rudy's not doing that. And uh, whatever he's done to get himself in a really good place mentally with free throws, because his form looks pretty good from what I've seen. Uh, but, you know, just being seven-plus foot and, and, you know, it, it, things can be a little more difficult for you when that's not something he's had to be counted on to do all the time. But they get eight or ten free throws from him a game and 15, 16 rebounds a game uh, makes him a lot better. But I, I, Rudy's really matured. I in his interviews, he's just, again, you're around him a lot more than I am, but he just seems uh, more at peace with himself. He went, you know, that whole COVID thing, too, that, that had to really wear on him, and, and he seems like he's in a really good place. How important do you think it is from the Jazz perspective going forward to close this thing out in five? No, they need to close that out in five. Very important. Um, I, I think what happens if you don't, and then you got to go back to Memphis, the, it, 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 our minds are funny. We go back when we start feeling a little bit insecure about whatever it is, and that things are, life is good, and then we get a little bit of hiccup, and then we're back where we are. It, it wears on you mentally and emotionally, and that that takes a little bit of confidence for them. Not that that they don't feel like they can still win this thing. They don't need to be going ha- having a hiccup at home, getting beat at Memphis, and going seven to win this and seven. Because every time you go out there and play, there is the potential for injury. There's a potential for anything to happen. And if you can have four and five game series and you're fresh going forward and you get to that conference, you know, finals and where guys are rested and they're confident and they're not banged up, makes a difference. I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, injuries have uh, had a huge role in a lot of teams in the NBA this year. And whoever gets healthiest at the end of the year, who, you know, when, when all things are equal, uh, is going to have a better chance of winning. So, it's just one less game they have to go play. They don't need to play anymore. They play plenty of games to know who they are and what's going on. Uh, so if you can sweep or win a series four to one, uh, it gives you less. You get rest. You're rested. You're mentally good, and uh, you're just in a place that feels good as a, an individual and as a team and as a coaching staff. And not that this is already a really mature group, but uh, they're still human. They're still. Uh, always going to be doubts in your minds when you go up. That's what makes us nervous before games. Those are the things as coaches and players that you deal with. Not, and, and I think it's good. It's good to have the, uh, a little bit of fear that you have a respect for your opponent. But uh, they don't need to be playing extra games against teams that they're supposed to close out because it's just it, it, bad things happen sometimes that way. And they, they want to be rested. They can get through these series, uh, get to the finals. Steve, we appreciate a little bit of time, and we will talk to you again next week when this series will definitely be over. (laughs) Yes, it will. Good talking to you guys. There's Steve Cleveland. When we come back, PK and I breaking down Game 5. Multiple storylines and an obvious challenge for the Jazz. We'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go.
Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK. Yes. Game five tonight. What are we going to see? What do you want to see? Well, obviously, more of the same. Just a jazz victory. That's the number one thing. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. And I like what uh, Steve Cleveland was talking about because I agreed with him is that I think these types of things, and you brought it up yesterday, that these close games actually help prepare you for what's down the road because the West is so hotly contested that. We've been saying this for a while. There's not a huge difference between one and eight. You know, it's not like these warrior teams of a few years back where they were so dominant. And you had Houston challenge them, but the rest uh, wasn't much of a challenge until they caught LeBron in the finals. So there's not a big difference. So the point being that you're going to have, as what you so infamously articulated, a bunch of knuckle biters (laughs) going forward. Done with the nails. We're all the way down to the knuckles, people. Yes, I mean, you're going to have a few elbow biters uh, going forward here in the postseason. So get used to them now. Have these intense situations that I think can pay off. And if you should get to the finals, you know, probably the Nets. Well, are you going to blow out the Nets? Yeah, probably not. So you probably have them there then. So if it is a tightly contested game tonight, great. As long as you win. Obviously, if you lose, that's not good. But if you win, that's good news. And I think it's important for the Jazz to really just send a message to everybody. Yeah, we were the number one seed, and we got to the number one seed because we're really good. Not because of your injuries, but because we're really good. And we took a Memphis team when we didn't have our best offensive player lost, and then we won four straight. That sends a little bit of a message. We're here, guys. And the road to the finals, yep, believe it or not, it goes through Salt Lake City. Yeah, I wonder deep down if other NBA players really believe that. Who? What? Believe what? That the road to the NBA Finals goes through Salt Lake City. Okay, well, there's nine guys who I really want to believe. Have them believe that. <laughs> Let me think. Uh, Mitchell yeah. Gobert. Right. <laughs> All the way down Conley to Conley Bogdanovich. How am I doing? <laughs> yes, those are the guys, the utmost that I want to have believe that this thing does go through you. And I think that based on how they play in Game 5, they can uh, kind of reiterate that message to themselves. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know that they can get anyone else to necessarily believe it. And that I know will... A little bit, maybe. This drives me me nuts. We've made this point over and over. You're not even going to argue with me on it. I know you think it too. You know, the whole, we need the respect. They don't think it's going to go through. Well, who cares what they think? It's, you know, in college football, you got to be one of the four teams that's picked. And in college basketball, you know, where are you seated and blah, 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 right? But in pro sports, you just win enough games to qualify and then you win either, you know, in the NFL, a game or in the in the NBA, a series and you advance. So who cares? Maybe it's better if nobody else believes that it goes through Utah. Maybe, you know, you, you get one or two easy wins before they take you seriously. You know, hey, if that makes it easier to win, whatever. I'll take any advantage. Who cares? So people get really hung up on that, and it's kind of a waste of energy. Uh, To an extent, yes. But I think that the number one seed has put added pressure on them. Because uh, you are the number one seed. So you're expected. And anything less is a see I told you. Now, 
You I, can't worry about what the other guys think in the media and all those, those yeah. idiots. But I think that, I think because we've seen it, why do guys not perform as well under pressure? Why do guys perform well under pressure? It's an interesting, uh, I don't know what the answer is, study on that. And so, But I think that I always viewed Sean Miller down in Arizona when they got to the Elite Eight. He put so much pressure on yeah. the team. It's like you, you see it. You, yeah. You're squeezing the bat to go with the baseball reference. So you don't want the pressure of the moment to be too big for you because then if it is, you're going to have a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if the Jazz take care of Memphis, basically sweep them with Mitchell, I, I think that reinforces they're the number one seed. That doesn't mean you're going to win number the second round, but I think it just reinforces we're really, really good here. And it sends a message, we're really good. And if you literally, each time a playoff round starts, this is literal. You can't argue. It's a black and white. If you want to beat us, you're going to have to win in Salt Lake City. That's a fact. Yes, that is a fact. And so that they've got going for them. That's the reward to be in the one seed. I do think that there is a moment or moments more likely uh, coming where things are going wrong. The other team's wildly talented and you have to figure it out on the fly. Turn it around and dig yourself out of whatever hole you're in, you know, down seven, down 12, whatever. And. The thing they're getting in the Memphis series that has been a positive is, you know, they get up 12 or 13 and Memphis makes a run, right? Yeah. And so they've got to figure out how to stop the run. The thing I think has really been positive is that they're not letting Memphis get the lead. Locks got this. No, they haven't. Locks got the stat on with Donovan back how many minutes they've let. I mean, they've only trailed like a grand total of 15 minutes. They took the lead in the second quarter for good. Maybe they took it in the first. I can't remember if they fell fell behind briefly in the middle of the second quarter uh, of game four. But that whole second half, it was just repeatedly, they went up to 10, Memphis pulled it down to four. They went up to 12, Memphis got it down to five, you know? So they're doing it on a lower level. Now, the Clippers will be more talented. The Clippers will be more experienced, assuming it's the Clippers over the Mavs. And they'll probably be down by 10 or 15 in a Clipper game. Now, maybe they'll be down you know, two games to one or something like that. (gasps) I know, right? And so that's going to be different. That's going to be a much higher bar to clear than this one. But I'm not even complaining about that right now. You'd rather be the one seed and beat up on an eight seed. Yeah, and our tough playoffs will start two weeks after your tough playoffs. You go over there and knock yourself out and beat yourself up and... We'll, we'll 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 be blown through the first round over here. It'll get it'll get hard soon enough. It'll be difficult. Yeah, and I think that that stuff in the first round by winning convincingly a four to one. If you win four, to, especially with Mitchell being gone the first round, that is a convincing win. And I think that this just strengthens and makes everybody more mentally tougher. And that's the way I view it. That it's a bonus for these, not a bonus, but it's just it's something that reinforces the quality of the team. And they know, as I say, you start the series, you have to, you got to come through us. You got to win here and you're going to have to win here twice because we're going to win on your floor. That is a that's a big yeah. thing to throw out there. Right. You know, if you can get one out of 3 on the road when you have home court, now they got to go 2 and 2 on your floor. Good luck with that. Cuz the Jazz have been so good at home. Yeah. Yeah. And in in the, the place intensity and everything is going to ratchet up and interest and so forth. It's a great time. If you have a really good team, the playoffs in the NBA 
are really something that's a lot of fun. And for the fan who lives and dies by winning and losing, it can be torturous. I understand that. But for the players, I mean, they've, they've got to love it. And I think, you know, Mitchell with this Dylan Brooks and and this stuff, uh, you can see him. You know, he, he made a move the other night and he got the third foul and he stuffed with the three fingers. That's stuff that they enjoy, actually. Uh, it's not anything that's a detriment as long as you use it correctly. And I think they have and they've been using it in the right way. And it leads to a lot of uh, fun for these guys. So I think that they should be having the time of their lives. But take care of Memphis now because who wants to go have to travel to Memphis? If you nope. just played the next night at your home floor, that'd be something. But that's not the way it works. Who the heck wants to uh, go to Memphis? Nobody in the NBA, they're so sick of traveling. They don't want to yeah. get on a plane and go anywhere. Not, no. They don't. It doesn't matter. You, you could be Such a downer. L.A., New York, they don't they don't care. Right. Yeah, it doesn't really matter where they it is. They don't want to travel. It doesn't they matter that you're going by a charter you, and you're staying in a no, five-star hotel. No, no you'd rather be if, home. If you win, you get the day off. Especially this time of year. And Beautiful. coaches always use that. Take your kids to the park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Coaches always use that. Hey, take care of business now. We're off tomorrow. Seen NFL coaches do it when the NFL Films does uh, mic'd up stuff in the locker yeah. room. It's an incentive. Oh, it's absolutely They don't need any more money. And you know the... Um, the Donovan Mitchell thing in Oklahoma City. Remember, they were in Oklahoma City and they were up three to one, and they lost Game Five. And I the fans are going at him now. Yeah, and he told and he told him, "Have a nice off season. We ain't coming back." <laughs> and then they won Game Six was at home and won the series. Yeah, that was his rookie year. Yeah, just to have so the he, gall to say that as a rookie, right? And as a rookie, he already knew it. I don't want to travel. I don't want to come back here. What do I need one more game for? I mean, sure, we could win it and win the series, but what's the point of dragging this thing out? Right. Right, get it done, and then relax. Sweet, and, and let the Nuggets, uh, the Nuggets. I keep saying the Nuggets, but let the Mavericks and the Clippers go at it, and whatever happens, happens. And at that point, you beat these guys in four essentially with Mitchell. You really care, Clippers or Mavs? I suppose the Mavs would be easier on paper. But if they beat the Clippers... Uh, They're going to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and that means yeah. that uh, whatever Doncic has going on with his arm, he's probably feeling better because I just don't think with Doncic at 70% that they can beat the Clippers. They might not beat the Clippers with Doncic at 100%. Uh, they might. But at 70%, I think that would really be hard to do. Right. But and the Clippers, are they just uh, just a total enigma? I mean, no matter how... At 3-1, didn't you think they had the Nuggets last year? I mean, the Nuggets had done it to the Jazz, but they weren't going to do it again and do it to a what we perceive to be a much better team. Yeah, I can only go as bubbleicious, and that's gone now. So we'll see a more true uh, to form thing that we expect. The Clippers are dangerous. They're very, very dangerous. They've got some wildly talented players, and they've got a lot of moving parts that can do a lot of different things for you. So I suspect that they'll win the series. It's really weird that I had never felt that confident about a team that was 0-2 winning a series. It's just bizarre. But I felt like, then I said it on Friday, when they were 0-2, that don't count these guys out, man, if they would have lost game three, obviously. But they didn't. And then Sunday night just laid into the Mavs big time. So I'd imagine Paul George, you can label him as an X-factor, as they say, uh, but I can imagine, I would think and make a strong argument, he's never had more confidence in the playoffs than he has right now. And actually, he's he's the best on their team right now. And that could change from game to game. 
But, you know, Leonard can do his thing, and they've got a lot of different parts. So that's going to be a tough series if it comes to pass, which I think it will. But so what, man? Great. I mean, I can argue that the toughest series the Jazz will face on the way to the conference finals is the second round. And if you got past that, that's even better. That's a great scenario. Uh, you easily can make that case that the Clippers could be the toughest opponent you face. Uh, they probably should have been the three seed. They tanked to be the four to uh, avoid the Lakers. And now the Lakers are battling injuries and worried about that. Well, maybe they wanted the Jazz more than avoiding the Lakers. Think they wanted the Jazz? Well, they wanted the four seed. So That's you could, not there's, deniable. There's multiple layers that go with getting that seed. You wanted yeah. that seed for a particular reason. And the reason is, well, you wanted a first round, but maybe you wanted to orchestrate second and third rounds too. They'll never admit it. No, but it doesn't matter. It goes back to what do nine guys believe. And if that gets them irritated and that helps them find a little more energy and a little more focus, a little more concentration... Whatever it takes. Well, I'm going to tell Joe that the Clippers deliberately tanked so they could get you guys in the second <laughs> round. First they cut you, Joe. Now they're tanking to get you oh, again. Right. They did cut you. Yeah. Well, then Joe, I don't have access. I mean, I could call Joe if I wanted, but I don't have access to the rest of the guys. But he can tell them. Yeah. And get you them. do have access. You got Twitter. You know Go Bears on social media. I, and would, he, I would never tweet it. <laughs> That's not my way. <laughs> I know. But if you want it, you can. You've got access. I don't, I don't want Everybody's that. got access. That's true. <laughs> but I doubt Gobert has any clue who I am. So he would just be. Like, uh, you totally underestimate yourself. I don't think Gobert has. Mitchell, maybe. Conley, maybe. Gobert. Because I don't think Gobert is listening because he doesn't care what the Utes are doing. No, he doesn't. Right. Or the Cougars. <laughs> I mean, he just, But he cares what people say about the Jazz. Correct. But I think those other guys, there might be a possibility of them listening for other sports. Because my guess is Mike Conley and, oh, and Donovan be, are sports fans. Are they listening for Joe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably maybe then. They were aware yeah. of that. Yeah. But I would think like in October and, no, and November when their season is either barely getting going or hasn't gone yet under the, whatever the circumstances that year, they would be interested in... I mean, Mitchell's gone to Ute games. Yeah, yeah, and so he's probably but, a fan of college. But football. I can I can totally see him uh, on his phone listening to a Louisville station and hear people talk about his college team too. So, I mean, we're all yeah. you know we know because we hear from Ute and Cougar and Jazz fans who are in Florida and California. But know. I doubt the foreign players are fans it seem, of the yeah, sports that we likely. as Americans right. get involved in. But they might know who you are because Joe's on. He might listen to Joe and then bust Joe's chops over whatever Joe says. <laughs> Maybe so. But Gobert, he doesn't need any more motivation. He wakes up with it. <laughs> yeah. And what a story if they were to pull it off. It would be so cool. Hey, he's the one who's tweeted out, you know, our time is coming and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, So, and you got to visualize it and believe it before it happens. And he's certainly done that over and over. And Mitchell's talked about it. Oh, I think Mitchell sees it. When you say visualize it, I think he literally sees the time yeah. coming. And we were talking about this yesterday about, you know, he's, and you've talked about his clutchiness and he's just different and you can build a championship team around him. He can be the best player on a title team and all that. And go back to his rookie season and think of all the people who talked to him at the end of the games. How many people saw it in him, right? LeBron did, Dwayne Wade did, 
You know, the biggest stars of that, it's only four years ago, but that's pro sports for you. Things change so fast. I remember Paul George said it. Yeah, Paul George. Do you remember that? Right? Yeah. The biggest stars of that era completely embraced him, literally, after games, multiple times. Yeah. Because they all thought it was coming. Now, is it coming now? He's still a little on the young side. The team isn't on the young side, but he is on the young side for a champion. But we're seeing with sports now, uh, we see it in golf, certainly. Uh, we saw it with Mahomes in the NFL. Guys are coming in more prepared to win at a younger age, and it's happening. It's not happening for everybody, but it is happening. He's not young enough. He's not too young, I should say, because he has had the burden from day one, and it was unusual that it was placed upon him. The two greatest jazz players in the franchise history didn't have it placed on them the way he did at his age. So I think that's hastened his development because he has been the face of this franchise now for four years. Was he two for 17 or three for 17? What were those shooting games that first month of the season? I think it was like a three for 17 and maybe even like a one or two for 20 or something. Yeah. And... And it was full steam ahead. Credit it's all part of the them. process. Yeah, credit for them that yeah. uh, the, the Lindsay and Zanuck, and, and if Zanuck was here, he might have been gone at the time. Uh, but then obviously, Quinn Snyder was here, and they went with that, and they wrote it, and they're better for it. There's no question they're better for it. So I believe he's ready right now yeah. at 24 years of age to lead this team from the offensive standpoint. And then what's cool about it is that he doesn't have to lead the team in all aspects. And he doesn't have to lead the team all the time because there's enough talent that the burden of being uh, the shot maker is shared. Yeah, LeBron in Cleveland, right? Where he had to do everything all the time and the minutes he was off the court were a disaster because they had no depth. Right. And uh, he couldn't give the ball up and go in the corner. Mitchell will do that sometimes, give the ball up, let Joe. You know, Joe came in Joe came in and had four assists real quick in game four for a little stretch where they had him run the offense. And I even think with Jordan that he had to be the leader of everything at all times. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Mitchell has to be that. He's certainly not the leader on defense. You know, you know you've got that anchor there who can do so many different things. That's why I don't believe in and of himself, he could get it done. But with his talent combined with the guys on the roster, I believe they can get it done with him leading the way on offense. Well, first things first, they got to beat the Grizzlies. Make sure you don't have to go back on a plane and fly back to Tennessee for a game six. Wrap it up and then have a few days off and see if you have a game one Sunday or if it gets pushed back even further. No, I want Sunday. I do too. But we won't know that for sure until Friday night. Right. I think we can expect it. But we won't know it. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.